once again, and welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, episode 127, Just Good News, journal entry 24. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's episode, let me remind you, as I always do, where you can find us. You can always find our link at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And uh, if you can't find us in one of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed, and it'll take you to one of our links somewhere. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com with your comments, questions, criticisms, and suggestions for future episodes. Well, happy Independence Day to you today. It is July the 4th, 2021, 245th anniversary of the independence of the United States of America when we declared our independence from England way back in 1776. And I hope you have had a great 4th of July celebration. And, of course, this episode will air Monday, July the 5th. But uh, most folks have a holiday to celebrate that Independence Day. So sure there will be a lot of picnics and a lot of family time together. So just enjoy it and have a great day. And if you hear any fireworks in the background, I live in a community where people are fireworks nuts. So if you hear somebody out celebrating, if you hear something uh, that sounds like the bombs bursting in air, uh, that's what it is. It's not gunshots. We we don't live in a neighborhood where typically you hear a lot of gunshots, but you might hear some fireworks in the background. Episode 127, which is Just Good News Journal Entry 24, we continue reading the book together, uh, entitled Done, D-O-N-E, What Most Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And, of course, the author is Carrie Schmidt, and uh, we read the introduction in Chapter 1 last week. If you haven't heard that yet, I suggest maybe you listen to that before you get into Chapter 2. But uh, this book tells you pretty concisely and pretty clearly what it means to Have the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ in your heart. Well, chapter two, I think, is pivotal to this whole uh, book, and uh, we're going to read that with you today. May make a comment or two along the way, but as I've said in the past, we'll let Kerry do most of the talking through his book. Now, if you'd like to have a copy of Done when we're finished here, uh, you can find that on www.strivingtogether.com. Once again, that's www.strivingtogether.com. And uh, I encourage you to buy several copies. Give it to folks that, uh, as a witnessing tool, it's a great little book. I know my son's church up in northern Ohio, Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio, uh, they give it to all their guests. Anybody that comes in as a visitor gets a copy of Carrie Schmidt's book, Done It's a great, well-written little book. It's not a hard read, but it's uh, very uh, complete in its explanation of how to come to Jesus Christ. So, without further uh, comment, we're going to go ahead and get into Chapter 2 of Done by Carrie Schmidt. Chapter 2, 
the only two religions in the world. How many religions are there in the world? Hundreds, perhaps thousands? Just trying to comprehend all the various belief systems and religious structures in America alone can be mind-boggling. Most people have their fair share of confusion and frustration trying to figure out which religion believes what and in what ways they are different. In fact, it seems that the latest craze is to just toss them all into the same category and say, oh, they're all the same. We're all going to the same place just as long as we believe. While that's convenient, it doesn't really make sense, does it? What these religions believe from one to the next varies widely. In fact, some are diametrically opposed in belief. It sounds nice to conclude that all roads lead to the same place, but that theory does not hold water, and it isn't supported by the Bible. And of course, in a side comment here, the Bible is our sole authority. The Bible is our authority. So how do you sift through all the religious fluffs and cut to the heart of the matter? How can you know truth from error, fact from fiction? How can you discern between God's true design and man's cheap substitute? The answer to these questions are more simple than you could ever imagine. Well, back to the original question. How many religions are there in the world? Would you believe two? The truth is that you can categorize every single religion in the world into one of two basic categories. You can strip away all externals from minor differences to major theological divides and cut right to the heart of the matter rather easily. Think of it this way. Most religions agree on what we discussed in chapter 1. Most people acknowledge a creator in a spiritual world. It's defining that creator and understanding that spiritual world that starts to reveal the differences. More importantly, it's how to know the Creator and how to enter into a peaceful afterlife that really separates the groups. In other words, how do we reach God? And how do we get to heaven? In some form or fashion, most religions of the world are attempting to answer these two basic questions. So how can we take so many complicated systems of belief and simplify them down to two basic belief systems? We can do that with two words, do or done. Remember those words because by the end of this book, they will be very important. First, let's look at the do religions. These religions are, in truth, systems of religions. Their central message is what you must do to gain the approval of God and to earn entrance into heaven. The general agreement among these religions is that man is somehow separated from God and must do something to be restored to him. In these systems, God is like an upset substitute teacher, and he's really angry that people are misbehaving. He's somewhere up in heaven, upset with the whole human race for doing things that displease him, and he's expecting everyone to make up their wrongs by doing good things. He's sitting on his throne arms folded, expecting humanity to compensate or atone for their failures by doing good deeds or religious things for him. Now, the definition of what God wants us to do varies widely, and thus we have so many differing systems of belief, but the core, the essence is still the same. The message is simply this, do 
Do the right stuff. Don't do the wrong stuff. And somehow God will grant you acceptance into heaven. It's like having the same macaroni and cheese cooked 52 different ways. The substance and central message of each of these religions are identical. God is upset at you, so you better start doing good things to make him happy. In this do category, every religion has a different list of do's and don'ts. For some, the list is extremely long and tedious. Confess your sins, get baptized, give money, get confirmed, shave your head, sell flowers at the airport, sell literature door to door. The list is as endless as the imaginations of men, and with every passing decade, new religions are popping up with new lists. For other systems, it's more basic and general. Be good, be nice, generally try to outweigh your bad works by your good works. For some systems, the list is extreme and even bizarre, instituting rituals of self-mutilation, child sacrifice, suicide, murder, and painful forms of bondage or penance. Either way, the basic intent and the central message is the same. You must work your way to God. You must perform God's list, do God's demands, appease God's anger, and earn God's forgiveness. These symptoms are the ultimate form of religious bondage for millions of people all over the planet. They are held hostage to fear and are bound to intricate systems of religious behavior that they are convinced will restore them to God and give them eternal life. The do religions vary widely in style and structure. They come in many different flavors, but they all add up to performance-based acceptance. God is the taskmaster, and we humans are the slave labor. In order for God to love and accept us, we'd better do things that make him happy. The saddest thing about these systems is that they only offer despair and bondage. They leave the human heart feeling ultimately rejected by God and forever wondering, Have I done enough? They characterize God as more of a slave driver than a heavenly father, and they leave your heart feeling anything but close to God. These systems fill the heart with nagging doubts. What if I miss something? What if I haven't lived up to God's standards? What if I'm doing the wrong list? What if my list is missing some critical element? Have I been good enough? How good is good enough? What if I haven't been good enough? These systems are great for building wealthy, powerful religions because they enslave people, but they do nothing to relieve the inner fears and yearnings of our hearts. They do nothing to heal the conscience and truly bring us into God's favor. They do nothing to introduce us personally to the loving Heavenly Father of whom the Bible speaks. You see, the question we must ask when looking at these systems is, what has God said? When it comes to being restored to God and gaining life with Him, what are His instructions? Very few people realize this. But to accept any of the do religions, you must basically throw away the central teaching of the Bible. Look at these scriptures for yourself and consider what God is saying to you. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us, Titus 3, 5. In other words, you cannot gain God's favor by doing good works. Again, God said, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Romans 3.20 He's saying, You cannot justify yourself in God's sight by doing good deeds. Here's another one. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. 
Romans 4, 5. In that verse, God literally says that you cannot do good works to gain God's favor. How much more clearly can God say it than this? Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, Galatians 2.16, God goes on to say that his favor cannot be earned. He says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that salvation is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. Think about that. Not of works. That's pretty clear, isn't it? What does that mean? Quite simply, there's not a do list on the planet. There's not a religious system ever invented that will gain you one little bit of favor from God or bring you any closer to his presence. Now, I know what you're thinking. How can this be? Surely I can please God by doing good. Hang in there. A good life has its place. But remember, we're talking about coming to God and relating to Him. We're talking about being restored to Him. We're not talking about all the fringe benefits of being honest, living a good life, and giving to charity. We're asking this question. Does doing these things gain me any brownie points with God? If I do them, does He approve of me, accept me, forgive me, or love me more? Most religions say yes, so long as you're doing our list, our list. In God's own word, he says to you, it is not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Titus 3, 5. Over and over again in the Bible, God says, you cannot earn your way to me. You cannot do anything to gain my favor or to earn my acceptance. Perhaps one of the most hard-hitting ways he phrases it is in Isaiah 64, 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. In that verse, God is saying there is something so massively dividing us that even your best behavior is pointless. Good behavior is useless against the problem that divides us from God. We'll talk more about this later, but for now, you must understand that God never tells us that performance gains his salvation. The conclusion of the matter is this. Do doesn't cut it. Nowhere in the Bible is there even one verse that teaches that God accepts me more and forgives my sin when I do the right things. Doing good works doesn't gain favor with God. Why? Well, God isn't as concerned with how I behave as He is with who I am. He isn't as concerned about ruling me as He is with relating to me. He's not impressed with a cold religion. He wants a close relationship. I don't do relationships. I do my chores. Well, get back to this thought in another chapter. But first, let's look at the word done. Done. Finished. Complete. Full. Ended. Ready. Accomplished. Fulfilled. Perfected. What a great word. Though most religions of the world fit into the do category, there is still the done category. The true message of the Bible is done. In other words, everything necessary to restore you to God and bring you into eternal life with Him has already been done. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, He said these words, It is finished. John 19.30 
The phrase literally means paid in full, done. Those were some of the last words he spoke before he died. In that moment, something amazing happened in Jerusalem. In the temple, a building symbolic of God's presence, there was a veil separating the most sacred representation of God's presence from the outer visible areas. In the moment that Jesus died, the veil was miraculously torn in half from top to bottom, thrown open from all. Suddenly, it was if, as if whatever separated God from man was now completely removed, and God was inviting all humankind to come directly to Him. It was God saying to the whole human race, Done. Dunn says there's nothing more to do. The price is paid. The debt is forgiven. The atonement is complete. If you try to earn it, work for it, or do something to get it, you're wasting your time. It's already done. Or in the words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. Think of it this way. Imagine that you prepared a wonderful Christmas morning for your family. You've saved, shopped, wrapped, decorated, and made all the preparations. On Christmas morning, imagine that your kids come running downstairs eager to celebrate Christmas, but rather than sitting down to open gifts, they begin feverishly doing things for you. They start cleaning the garage, washing the cars, doing the dishes, polishing your shoes, and whatever else they can find to do. Well, other than having a heart attack, you'd probably be disappointed. You would stop them and ask, what are you kids doing? This isn't time for good works. This is the time for gift giving. Suppose their response goes something like this. Dad and Mom, we've realized that we don't deserve your gifts to us, so we've decided to earn them. We've decided to serve you and do things so that we can deserve your kindness. What would you do? You'd probably explain that that's not necessary. You'd tell your kids how much trouble you've gone to in saving, shopping, and purchasing gifts. You don't want their service, at least not yet. So much as you want to enjoy Christmas morning and present them with their, their gifts, your free expressions of love. This is the message of God to the human race. So long as you're busying yourself with doing, you're missing what I've already done. The gift is purchased. The table is set. There's no need to do anything more. All the preparations have been made. Come now. Let us reason together. His invitation to you is not to do for him, but rather to come to him. So with all the religions in the world, are there really only two? That's the bottom line. Just two. Do or done. Here's another way to say it. Religion or relationship? Does God institute systems that lead you to Him? Or does He desire something more personal, relational? Maybe the fact that He tells us to call Him Dad or Father should shed a little light on that situation. He wants a relationship with you. And close relationships are not a product of doing, but rather a product of being or belonging. Since you are more than a body and you have a creator, what is the way to know that creator? What are his answer to these two questions? How do you come to God and how do I get into heaven? His answers in the Bible are clear. 
You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't do anything to get there. You can't perform your way into God's presence. He wants more than an employee-employer relationship. He wants more than cold religion. He wants a close relationship. Most importantly, everything required to close the gap between you and God has already been done. There's nothing more that you can do to earn his favor or gain his salvation. So indeed, there are just two religions in the world, do and done. Are you stuck on do? Are you trapped in a system of performance thinking you're headed in the right direction? Are you trying to earn your way to God? I often ask people this question. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Interestingly, most people say yes. I think I would. When I ask why, they answer something like this. Because I'm trying to be a good person, and I've tried to do good things. You know what they're saying? I'm doing. I'm doing. Friend, are you stuck on doing If so, you're missing the central message of the Bible. If you're trusting a performance-based system of religion, you're missing God's true way of coming to Him. What would you say to that question? What are you trusting? Do or done? Do you have a religion or do you have a relationship? Hey, thanks for hanging with me for this long. We're 22 pages in and we have about 80 more to go. By now you know that you're more than a body and that God's guidelines for knowing him do not involve doing. Let's press on. The next chapter has some pretty good news that you've probably never heard. So next week we'll get into chapter 3 with uh, Pastor Kerry Schmidt there. The title of that chapter is Knowing Where You're Going. Did you know that you can know where you're going? You don't have to worry about You don't have to wonder about whether you're going to heaven or hell. You can know that, and you should know that. And next week, we're going to talk about knowing where you're going with Brother Kerry Schmidt in his book, Done. Like I said, uh, I would encourage you to buy multiple copies of this book, And uh, give it to those as a witnessing tool. Give it to those who are searching, those who want to know where they're going and how to get there. This is a great reference. This is a great resource for that. Well, it's been great being with you this week. I hope you've had a great Independence Day celebration today. I hope you were in church and you got to sing some patriotic songs and and uh, maybe heard the national anthem and and uh, it stirred your heart and uh, then uh, tomorrow july the 5th which most of you will be hearing this it'll be today won't it july the 5th when you're hearing this but i hope that you have a great time with friends and family and just remember the sacrifices that were made so we can maintain our independence. And we need to be vigilant, folks. We can't, let, uh, we can't let evil forces take over what we've worked so hard and what those who've gone before us, the military, those people who have given their lives, sacrificed it all so that we could have independence to celebrate on this day for the last 245 years. Well, it's been great to be with you. I hope you've uh, enjoyed Chapter 2 of Done. Next week, we'll get into Chapter 3. 
And uh, we hope uh, that you'll join us for that next episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.